Hello and welcome to Fundamentals, an OKC UK podcast. As always, I am your host, Tom Snowden, the founder of OKC UK. And today I am joined again by Brandon Dale, one of my contributors. And we are here ready to discuss everything Funder from within the last week. As just a couple of fans who love their franchise. So hopping straight in. How are you this week, Brandon? Good. I there's a lot of different I feel like I watched like 20 different versions of Thunder basketball this past week, if you know what I mean. Like the game last night compared to um see that would have been Monday night is just night and day. So and and we'll get into those, but I just didn't I thought thought it was a lot of different looks on how this team could be for the rest of the year. I I can't believe you said only twenty. <laughs> I've at least seen a hundred. <laughs> we we're, we're playing well for two minutes and then it completely changes. Right. So, so we'll we'll start off this week as we'll start most weeks going forward. We'll uh, talk about what's happened in the past week since the last podcast was recorded. So in that last week, we've played four times, picked up a win against Phoenix, uh, and then a couple of losses to the Nets and the Rockets, then another game against the Rockets last night, which we won. Uh, so starting off, we'll talk about the Suns' win. I was I was surprised by the performance and the game, to be honest. Like, Shy had a really good game. Like, re- really, really good. Uh Al Horford, I'm pretty sure that was his first game back after having a kid. Literally went 100% from three, like five or five or six or six, and then real shooting game. Uh, I'll talk about the next two points I made on that game afterwards because uh, a couple of things, well, one of them specifically, is that I'm going to rub in your face a bit. But what did you make of that Suns game? So that I was laughing at is because... Um... I think our take on that before that game is I was just thinking about how bad the Thunder were going to lose. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was very unexpected. Chris Paul looked, Chris Paul looked out of sorts to be fair. He looked very, I don't know. I can't tell if he's just because he's aging or what, but the defense that I'm pretty sure I saw Dort on him quite a bit. Um, and then he airballed that three at the end. And you already mentioned Al Horford. Uh, I don't think there's a better, like in terms of a dad for the team, that's Al Horford. He's the, he's the, the team dad. And there's not a better guy that we could have in terms of just being able to bring these guys along. But you mentioned the shooting. I will be surprised if he keeps that up. But at the same time, I can totally see him being a four, four threes a game type of guy. No, I complete, completely agree. You said there as well about Horford being like the dad of the team. He's, he's, he's taken over perfectly from Chris Paul. I don't, right. I don't know whether... I wouldn't rule it out due to the type of guys that they are. My opinion on Horford has changed a lot in the last couple of weeks, but I wouldn't mm. have been surprised if Chris Paul and Al Horford had a conversation. I'm not saying they did or I'm not saying they didn't, but I wouldn't be surprised because for Horford to come in having a semi-average, a bit above average career that he's had. He hasn't done that bad. He's done well in Atlanta and in uh, Boston. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul just gave him the run around with the team, said what the team's good and bad at. And just looking at the numbers, like we, there's one, two, three, four, five, six different players in double digits from that game. The Phoenix game, yeah. We 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 touched on that last week, saying there was six players averaging more than ten a game, and then okay. Roby and, and Muscala were just under ten. So this, this, we're, we're going to touch on this later because I do want to talk about how I think that relates to how Coach Mark coaches the team. Mm. Before, before we move on to the next game, because the Suns game is over a week ago, so I can't actually remember too much of it. Thank you for saying that because I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah. But two, two things I want to praise in that game. The first one, it was uh, Theo Maladon's first start, which I think he absolutely aced. And obviously, we will touch on it when we get to a later segment in Rookie Talk. But he was outstanding. And then it comes the time to rub your face in it. Okay. Alexei Pokushevsky. That, <laughs> that, that game against Phoenix, he was unreal on D. Oh, and generally, generally, he just had a really good game. And just so, everyone, just so everyone's aware, can you remember the tweet or the message that he sent me the next day? After, I said, after what you said last week. I said I was wrong. I walked it back. I said Alexei, Alexei Pokushevsky looked – he did. He looked much better. He looked – He looked. I don't know. It's weird because then they called him down to the G League later this week. So I don't know what's going on. Maybe, maybe they're thinking about getting him some more – a little bit more playing time. But, yeah, he had 22 minutes in that game. I don't remember. He did hit a couple – did he not? He had, a, he had a good couple of blocks. I think he had three blocks in the game and just mm. defens- defensively was very aware. To be fair, yeah, he l- just looked better. He looked much better. And so that was funny because I, I was thinking about that. I was watching and I was like, I'm going to have to like, I was like, I tweeted this. And then I also told Tom that I hated him and he was terrible, basically. And, and in a short, sort of, in a roundabout way, I was just like, um... I don't oh, know. Trust me, when you tweeted me that, it was full on like that Leonardo DiCaprio gif, you know, when he puts the uh, the whole wrist to his mouth. And he's like, oh, I can't believe he's just said that. I'm going to make him eat his words. But yeah, Poku was great in that game, which is a shame because the rest of the games that he's played, or the Nets and the first Rockets game that he played before going down to the G League, I thought he was terrible. But we will move on to the next game. Probably for me, although the Rockets' first game comes very close, was the most, most the next game was the most frustrating game of the season. Because until last night, we had a terrible issue on D, specifically our perimeter defense. Uh, we had rebounding issues. Uh, it was just awful. We didn't didn't have an answer for it at all. And then obviously it happened again in the first Rockets game. Perimeter D was all over the place, conceded 48 points in one quarter. And then last, last the night we held the them paint. last night we held them to 58 points in three quarters. So obviously we actioned it eventually, but it has been an issue uh, this season. 
so and we scored 125 points in that game and still lost convincingly that's, that's kind of what my point was going to be with and i didn't mean to cut you off there but it just it was so glaring the 70 points in the paint from the nets to that high yes wow isn't that to great be, like to be fair they did score 148 <laughs> So, yeah, and so, I mean, like, if you if you get that many drives to the cup and you're going to the basket that many times and we're allowing it, and then also, to your point, how do you score 125 and lose? Yeah. I know that defense isn't – this year it seems like defense is not at a premium. I don't know if it's due to COVID, illness, people not being in shape, but, well, you can make the argument that they're more in shape if we're running up the score. So, I don't – I don't know. I think that's so – it is frustrating. It's very frustrating to see you look up and you're just at the scoreline as 147. I, I'm, I, I was expecting it to be the other way around, personally. I was expecting the perimeter D to be uh, better than what it was. And mm -hmm. the paint, the paint, we haven't been that bad that season. But when you think about it, out of the three bigs we have in Roby, Muscala and Horford, I would really only say that Roby is good in the paint with defending. Like Horford hustles a bit and then Muscala is a bit pointless trying to defend in the paint. But it's it's frustrating for sure. I think our perimeter D should be a lot better than what it is with the players that we've got. The likes of Dort, Shy, Baisley gets out to the perimeter quickly. But I don't know. What's, what do you think about that? The Thunder shot, really, what, the, what's frustrating is if you pull up the numbers side by side, okay, the Nets, 42% from three. The Thunder, 42% from three. Free throws, almost identical. Field goals, uh, okay, 57% of the Nets. Uh, we shot 46%, which still isn't bad. So you're having – a really good game in all the phases, but what's lacking is what your goes back to your point is that perimeter defense and really the ability to stop teams from driving to, you know, driving in the paint. And how do you do that? If you don't have, you know, if you don't, we're not too deep when it comes to center position. Um, I sometimes wonder if Baisley's a little bit, I'm not going to say anything, negative about Baisley, but I sometimes wonder if it's hard for him to kind of hold his weight against these other bigger forwards. So I don't know. I don't know how we get better at that. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a work in progress. I think I don't see an immediate resolution to that. But then again, you could look at the Rockets last night how our perimeter D was a hell of a lot better. The Rockets had no answer whatsoever. For They were still putting up threes. And I, I thought the game was going to start, go exactly the same way when PJ, uh, no, it was Eric Gordon nailed that three, first shot mm. of the game. And I was like, oh God, here we go. And it's like, I'm saying up to one, two, if I thought this isn't what I want. I do just want to touch quickly before I make the other two points about the next game before moving on to the next game. Uh, you said then about the free throws percentage uh, for just for that game. I do think, considering we slagged off the team last week for free throws, this week it has been a lot better. So again, if they've been working on it, credit to them, but it has been a lot better. So last two points about the Nets. Uh, 
obviously Kevin Durant didn't want to lose any more hairs on the top of his head because he didn't play. And I saw I saw on Twitter the same day he hasn't played at the Chesapeake against the Thunder since 2018, which is mad. Obviously, he's going grey. doesn't want to lose any more hairs. But he's just ran off with his tail and tucked between his legs. And I feel hard saying that because I do like to run. As much, so as, much, as much as I hate what he's done, I, I love him as a player. Mm-hmm. And the last, the last thing I'll say about the next game is I'm going to dub T.O. T.O. Takeover. Mm-hmm. That game against the Nets was his six for six from three. He just didn't look like he wanted to miss that game. He was phenomenal and he's taken his chances. He looks so, this past week has been such a, as we touched on Teo last week and just looking at his, I can't pull up his, but yeah, you said six, was it six of, which game did he go six of six from three? Brooklyn, the next game. Okay, so that's when he, yeah, this guy, you know, 24 points in 33 minutes and then not even being known for his offensive, we'll get into what he did last night on the defensive end. Because I think I said something about calling him like Teo Rodman or something. Because he he just looks like such a, I don't know, man. That's exactly what this Thunder team needs in terms of um, just different guys that can give it. They're all on the defensive end. Last week we were on Kenrich Williams. Sounds like this week is more of a the Maladon takeover. But that was... That was exceptional. Very surprised, especially because he's just just a rookie. And he's not, I don't know, not, it does not seem like he's a rookie to me. I feel, I feel like we could have a whole podcast over here. So we'll, we'll move on swiftly there because I know he's going to come up again later in this podcast. So the first Rockets game, uh, the notes that I've made for that game, we've already touched on a few of them. Terrible D. Specifically at the perimeter again, lost the first quarter heavily, 48 points, just didn't recover mm. from that. And then there was a couple of other points in terms of how the players were. Poku was completely lost in that game, completely. He fell to the floor two or three times. I was, I just think he's completely low on confidence, and I think it's good for him to go down to the G League. We'll touch on that when we get to rookie watch. Uh, another one who's gone down to the G League who, before he went down to the G League I was kind of tempted to try and give him a few more minutes with Moses Brown he seems to be a bit of a rebounding machine he's got the height, he's got confidence when he's in the paint but obviously he's young, he's not used to many minutes and then the touch the thing I want to talk to you about the Rockets game is something that's kind of happened in the last week Instead of saying what I think about it, I'm going to put the question to you. I'm going to say it to you as a question. Lou Dort, he's in a bit of a slump at the minute, isn't he? It's really strange because it seems like, and this I remember writing this last week, if if he doesn't get involved early, it's almost like he loses in. I don't want to say he loses interest, but he's lost out there. Like he doesn't get 
involved, if he's not being active on the defensive end, if something doesn't happen in the first five minutes of the game, it just kind of seems like Lou, I don't know what it is. It's, or if the three, his three ball is not falling, that was falling weeks prior. Um, I don't know what it is. It's such a strange thing though, because you expect him to be ready to go every night and and I just I, I wondered the same thing because now that you're saying that now I'm sitting there thinking back kind of how his play has looked and just doesn't seem seems uninterested. That's a good way to put it. Uninterested. I don't I don't think I'd go as far as uninterested because okay. he's still he's still only a year into the league. He's just I don't know whether it's a bit of a confidence issue or now he's been in the league for a year, are players starting to notice the way he defends? So he's not having the same impact on the way he defends. Mm. Uh, one of my biggest pet hates with Lou Dort is the way he lays up. He has a very, very yeah. heavy right hand when he goes to lay up. He misses him. I wonder why he doesn't dunk it. He gets up, doesn't he? He yeah, gets up, but he, he doesn't dunk it. To your point, he... he he goes to the rim very hard. He did this the other night and he goes with a finger roll and it just kind of bounces off the back rim and falls out most times. He gets, he gets a lot of his layups. They just, they hit the uh, metal bit at the back of the hoop. Yeah. Like they, he doesn't touch the rim at all. It's like he's trying to hit, get it off the backboard. Mm. But I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to, even though I've made a note of it saying Dort to Lump, I don't know whether to call it a slump yet. I think it's probably I think it's probably a good thing that well I wouldn't say it's a good thing that he's injured. I wouldn't wish an injury on anyone. But maybe to have a bit of time talk about himself. I haven't seen anything yet about his injury. I don't know if you I, want, I was gonna ask you what the did they should come out with a full diagnosis of of what happened. No, I, I haven't seen anything which to me doesn't look good. If it was anything minor, I would have thought we would have heard about it by now. Mm. But no, well, I, th- I think it's harsh on Dort as well because of the way the fan base loves him. Right. We all expect things from Lou Dort. It was the same same with like, you know, I said last week with Shy, last year he could do no wrong. Dort was the same. And now we've gone into this year and they're two of the key factors in our team. Maybe I'm just crit- criticising them a lot more. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm, maybe I've just got me thunder cap on for too long. You know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's to be honest, I, I think you're right because we set our expectations up for these dudes, right? I mean, like, in last year it was a surprise. So yeah, you're you're right on. The thunder cap is right on the money. Well, we're, we're laughing because I am wearing a thunder cap because <laughs> I'm. Super duper cool, and I like to wear hats in the house. Uh, so m- moving on to the last game of last week, or within the last week or so, was the Rockets' win last night. Before I make the note, the first note that I made on that game pretty much sums it up. It was a near perfect performance, wasn't it? it? Was I? I remember writing down. I think there was eight points off turnovers in the first quarter alone. I don't even know. I'd have to look back, but that. I mean, that's. That, talk about getting after it. And and the defense was just was superb. And I don't know how 
Theo Maladon could have six steals in, in a game. That's unreal, right? Did you see that? Yeah, six steals, yeah. That's unreal. So the only issue that I had with last night is we had 20 turnovers. But, but it was a game of turnovers. Like the Rockets had a lot, we had a lot. Yeah. But especially when the game was done. Like, and we brought on some uh, people for extra minutes, etc. It just, it just, it just got a bit silly. Like concentration had gone. One thing I thought was interesting is the the second unit that got the reps for that game seems so much more just together, and you could tell that they've been practicing and putting the work in together. And it was just, it was a very different, that's when I was talking about, I thought I saw like 20 different games in the last week. That was like almost watching a different game within the game, because here we're looking at the second unit doing, to be honest, doing just about as well as maybe the starters could do. I realized maybe at that point it was a wash of a game, but it's still important to see, to see those guys clicking and being able to, you know, find find each other for just easy baskets. And and then guys that hadn't been playing, like I saw Darius Miller was out there. That's a name that is, you know, I had to kind of look down at my notes or whatever and look back up and I'm like, who's I'm like, oh yeah, Darius Miller. Like, but just every, all these guys that are getting minutes. So I wonder if that has to do with our point from a few segments back where, uh, or sorry, a few games back where we were talking about some of these guys going down to the G League. I wonder if maybe Coach Dagnall is kind of seeing like, hey, there's something here with this group. Maybe we should roll with that. But that's just me speculating. Yeah, with Darius Miller, obviously last night was only his fourth game of the season for mm. us. So, which for me, I completely forgot he even played for us. Not in hey. terms of, I knew he was still on our roster, but I've completely forgotten about those other three appearances. Not because he didn't do anything. It's just you haven't heard from him, haven't seen him for that long. But um, no, with the second rotation, as you said, one thing that I've noticed this season, and it's happened quite a few times, is we start the game extremely poor. The second rotation come in and the game gets lopsided. Like we start coming back and then that's the rest of the game. The first quarter has been our issue this year. You notice with a lot of teams, in the NBA, the third quarter is what lets them down. When they come out after halftime, the third quarter is known for being the letdown quarter. For us, it's the first quarter. We, if we get an okay start like we did last night, the game tends to go quite well. If we have a poor start like the next game or the first Rockets game, it kind of just damages the whole game. But, yeah, I completely agree. Second rotation does work a lot they do have a certain amount of togetherness it works really well but and then also we got to the free throw line a lot last night in comparison to kind of what we were talking about like if you get to the line 26 times that's that's a lot yeah there's a lot of trips to the free throw line i I do i do i do think it's a bit of a uh, I don't know what the word was, but I do think the refs were blowing for a lot 
last night. Mm. Not not that they weren't they, they weren't awful calls. You could you could make a comment from being a foul or not a foul, but I do think everything last night was a shit foul. But mm. last thing I'll make about uh the games within the last week is I don't know if you can remember it, but I'm sure you can. Tia Maladin's no look pass last night. Half, I think, pretty sure it's the first quarter. He no looked to pass up to the top. Not only did yeah. he do, not only did he do the whole Rockets team with that pass, he done me as well. So when I was watching it on my laptop and he sent the ball to the top, but it was looking to the bottom of my of yeah. screen. I, I was looking at the player at the bottom. I'm pretty sure I can't remember who it was. I'm not, sorry, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but. He done me, and now I'm looking at a tiny screen, and I'm sat there looking at the bottom of the screen, waiting for that player to receive it, but gets sent to the top. So you know you've done well with a no look pass if that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that, that was that was the comment overall I was going to make about uh, Maladon last night was his passing was a joy to behold. Yesterday, I thought he was excellent. He does everything so well, even though he like had six points, and I don't even care. I could care less. You get like, did you see there was one play? I can't remember who's driving. There was a Rockets player driving to the cup. He goes up straight. He just is straight up with his hands, just rips the ball out of there with two hands and just comes back down. And I don't really know how tall Maladon is, but that was my like, that was my takeaway with like play of the game. I thought that that was just pretty sure that was on Boogie. I might be wrong, but I've got a feeling that was on Boogie. Don't, don't hold me to that, though. Now I'm saying it, I'm questioning it. But I would yeah. guess it, Boogie. But, yeah, so we'll, we'll, move, we'll move on now. We'll have our weekly segment now of our own Player of the Weeks. Do you want to go first this week, since I went first last week? Talking about our players from that we picked last week or just our Thunder players for this week? Just players for the last week. Oh, wow. This one, I'm probably, I don't want to steal yours, but it has to be Teo. Has to be Teo. He got inserted in the starting lineup. George Hill will be out four plus weeks. I also wonder if that will give them time to look elsewhere for Hill. That's another topic for another day. But getting Maladone sufficient minutes in the starting starting lineup just will give him more confidence, which is what rookies lack. So, I mean, for him to come out one game and hit six threes and then come back and show up and play his butt off on defense. And, you know, you're talking about the no look passes and just like the guys all over the place, you know, last week it was Kenrich this week. It's certainly uh, Maladon. And, and I just don't see, you know, I, I would like to see – I miss him in the second unit, but I think there could be um, a situation where he gets in the starting the starting role. But I also noticed at the beginning of some of these games, he needs to be more assertive. It, he just kind of will stand around on the offensive end, whereas they won't even – you know, Shea or, um, you know, Dort, none of these guys will really – are really looking for him, but that's because they already have that continuity. So he, he needs to just figure out where his spots are and how he can contribute to that first unit. And so I think if he gets more um, starters minutes, 
that would be good for us, you know, good for the team, bad for the tank. So I completely, completely agree with all of that. Um, so I'm going to repeat what I said last week with uh, our choices. I banked on you picking Tio, so I didn't pick Tio. So I thought it'd be good to talk about someone else. Um, again, because you picking Tio and I picked last week, my pick this week, we're not interested in the one night stand. We're interested in the long term relationship. So my I pick love this week. My <laughs> got a love, lot of love for that comment this past week. Um, no, but my my pick last uh, this week is Darius Baisley. Mm. For for me personally, I'm I would like to consider myself one of the biggest fans of Bays in our okay. organisation. I I honestly I love the guy. I've got a card collection, building like if the funder here listen want to send me a Baisley card, go for it. Get him to sign <laughs> it while you're there by all means. But basically this past week I was close to calling him out last week based on exactly the same as Lou Dort that we had that discussion a minute ago. I thought he was going for a bit of a slump. But this past week I think he's had a certain level of maturity, certain level of performance. He's improved a hell of a lot. He's claiming a lot more rebounds this past week. And he's just it's it kind of it seems to me like someone said something to him and he's come back with a bit of confidence. Like, basically, to me, seems like he'd be the type of guy that you'd want to be, uh, he'd want you to be hard on him. Just just the way he acts on the course. He seems like someone who's like, if I'm doing something wrong, then tell me. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, because, yeah, I agree with that. But no, basically, this past week, he seems he's attacked the rim a lot more, which I do think he's very good at. He's, he's, he has that one step on the way to a layup. I think he's extremely good at attacking the paint. He's, he's getting better with rebounding, uh, rebounding and his positioning in collecting those rebounds. So no, he, he gets my player for this past week. Tio is obviously up there as well. So if I could give him a joint award, I would. Because mm-hmm. saying that, you've given him an award. So I can't give him two because that's just greedy. Um, oh, that's still totally yours. Moving on before we go into the other two segments and then a quick review of the next seven days, I just want to touch quickly on uh, Mark Dagnall, who I think is getting a bit underrated with in terms of he's not necessarily being talked about. Like the players are getting talked about for the record that we currently have when we're supposedly tanking. Um, there's a couple of things that he's done perfect within the last week. The Rockets games, the issues that we had from night one to the second game were completely squashed out. We righted all the wrongs. Everything that we'd done wrong in the first game was corrected in the second game. And I think that's a huge uh, well done to Dagnall for sorting that out because I thought that was a complete mess to, and to turn a mess into complete standout performance, which I personally believe it was. And I've seen other people say that it is. It's a huge compliment to him. And then going a bit uh, over the past week as well, the Portland game where mm. uh, he had he had that coach's challenge for that game three towards the end of the game. He had mm. the chance to use his coach's challenge on, I think it was Hammy Diallo who was calling for it about two minutes before that mm. said challenge which he decided, no, I won't use it, although I saw he was close to considering it. But that 
saving like having the choice of not using that pick and saving it for that game three, which would have been pre free throws, in the end actually won us the game. So if we wasted that review, which he would have lost, and then Dame got those three free throws, we would have lost the game. Because we won the game by three points. I remember I said something like Mark Dagnall just crossed up Damian Lillard somehow because that was, yeah, that was a brilliant move on his part. That is a good point. I if, I was, if I was any good at Photoshop, I would have put Coach Dagnall's face on that Dame Lillard uh, gif after he drained that shot over Paul George. Not, not, not the wave. The one where he's right up at the camera, you know, looking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. would have put his face on that, and I would have blasted that all over Portland's account. Right. But no, um, huge compliments. Uh, huge well done to Coach Mark the last week. It's. I don't. I just don't think he is getting the praise that he deserves. And I was one of those people that was. I was very hard on him in the beginning, and I take that back because I. I was not paying attention. He is a very cerebral coach who, and he's, he's all, he's very, he's got the same demeanor, doesn't he? You know, he's very, very even keeled type of guy. And he seems like he's always, he's always in, like we're talking about with the coaches challenge. He's always, he always knows the next move. So. You thought, you thought I think as well, he is learning on the job. This is his first. This is his first job in the NBA. Sure, he coached the Blue, uh, which is our G League team. Um, but he's he's learning on the job. He's he's been. I don't think he's been around any of these players. He might have done. I'm not sure. But it's going to be completely different between the G League and the NBA in terms of plays, intensity, and with Coach Mark as well. When he's on the like in his little area, you know where the coaches stand when they're watching the game, and the camera pans around to him, he always looks like he's thinking. He has that, you know, when someone like kind of squints their eyes as if they're thinking yeah. while they're watching. It's like, no, I just, I just wanted to touch up on Coach and say well done to him. He has been a positive the past week. That's for sure. I'm all in. I'm, all, I'm a fan now, for sure. So we'll move on now to uh, Rookie Watch. We will just have a very quick rookie watch we've talked about T.O. too much this podcast I think he's had an outstanding week so what we'll do is we'll talk about Poku and they're not necessarily the rookies but we'll talk about the guys who went down to the G League as well Mm. Um, so Ty Jerome Moses Brown uh, Poku and Josh Hall so Josh Hall went down to the G League to play for the Blue Um, Moses Brown, obviously, as I touched on earlier, I would have quite liked him to maybe have, get a few more minutes. But obviously, if you do that, you're taking minutes away from Roby and Muscala. So I can kind of understand it. I do think he's got a bit of potential in him, Moses Brown. I do like the look of him, specifically the awareness and the pain and his rebounding. Josh Hall, can't make my mind up on him. I just don't have an opinion on him. Ty Jerome, never saw him in Phoenix. And obviously, he's been injured the whole time he's been here. So again, I don't have an opinion on him. See, Poku's divided opinion amongst the fan base. For me, one of Poku's biggest issues throughout the whole season so far, it has been his confidence. I think he he goes missing in games. He think he gets himself into a shooting rut where he, he seems like he 
like we touched on it last week, his shooting motion is way too quick. I think it'd be good for him to uh, slow slow down a bit. I can't imagine the G League being as quick as what the NBA is. Um, so I think he can work on some offense. He's obviously going to have easier people defending him. Mm. So I think I think that's the main reason why he's gone down. Not like nece- I don't necessarily agree with it, but I don't necessarily hate the idea. What, where do you stand on all the people who have gone down to the G League? Kind of like you. I only remember Todd Jerome from Phoenix, and I was kind of like, yeah, this is nice, but nothing stuck out. Hall, no opinions on. Um, now I just drew a blank on the other guys that went down. Moses Brown I do like because I think that it's just one of those situations where there's probably not enough minutes for him. Um, but – he is a big guy. He's a big body. Like you were saying earlier in the podcast, he um, he eats rebounds. So that's really what this team's missing. Um, Pokushevsky, he needs the G League will give him confidence. And so if that's the idea for him, then I'll you know that's good. Albeit, I would like to see him do a little bit more with you know, the current players that he's going to have to go up against. But if you don't have confidence and you're going out there, you're lost and you're missing assignments and you're going to be only, you know, almost like four guys on the court when they're supposed to be five, uh, it does a disservice to the team. And so, yeah, let him, let him figure it out. Let him get comfortable. Let him work on his mechanics because he clearly, he clearly gets the ball and you can almost see him, I think I said this last week, you can see like the wheels turning and that, and the guy, like, it's almost like, what do I do? Don't know what to do. I'm going to pull up. I'm going to shoot it because I'm so tall. Like he, he just needs, he needs to calm down. Um, you know, almost like to the point where if you slow down, then you can speed up type of thing. So yeah, he just needs more reps. Um, coming from a European league, basketball does not look the same. I saw, I saw something where he, he's got a goaltending issue as well to where I think there's a different rule over there where I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember Michael Cage said something about it. And I was like, that is very interesting. So I don't, I shouldn't be as hard on him because he is coming from totally different game to just different players. Um, but the G league should be, I'll be surprised if we don't see him putting up 15, a game in the G league, 15 to maybe 20 points. Um, but the shot is really what's worrisome because in my mind, if we have a guy like that, who's playing the three, I'm always going to be comparing him. This is not a fair comparison. And I'm not for the record. I am not saying that Pokashevsky is anything like Kevin Durant, but when you have an individual who's seven feet and he's going to be playing the three, um, he's got to be able to shoot that thing. And if not, let's figure it out, put him down to the, put him down on the block. I still hope that I, I really want to see him work on his foot, his feet work, footwork, his footwork down in the post, because I just think that that's where he's going to be able to um, be successful. So I don't know. It is weird because he did have such a good game, but I, I, I'm with you. I think it's more of a confidence thing. So they're trying to maybe boost his, boost his self-esteem a little bit. Boost his ego. I don't know much about the G League personally, so I don't know how many. Do you know how many minutes they play a quarter? Mm-hmm. 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know personally, but I'd imagine obviously he'd start every game, he'd get more minutes. So I think right. that as well is huge. That was the point I was going to make. So I can't imagine it being much less than the NBA. It might be ten minute quarters, but it's. I, th- I think it's positive for him at the end of the day, and I'm glad you touched on Michael Cage as well because it reminded me. Um, I just want to praise Michael Cage. I don't know how many other Thunder fans find this hilarious, but the amount of times consistently at the minute that Michael Cage is reminding us that Theo Maladon's only 19. It's, I've, I've started, uh, you know how um, there's a, Brandon Rabar makes, yeah, um, he keeps commenting in on uh, Lou Dort making a free every game, doing yeah. a streak. So I've decided yeah. now I'm going to do a streak of Michael Cage. He's now gone three games in a row of telling us that Maladon's only 19. But it's the way he goes it. This kid, 19 years old, folks. It's the folks at the end. I love yeah. it. I I love Michael Cage. I I I think I'll take a bullet for Michael Cage at the minute. I think he's such a great commentator. He's a- I do too. I saw something else where uh, someone said every time Michael Cage says that Maladon's 19, take a shot or something, and I was just like, oh, God. that is hilarious. But you're right. That's so funny. It. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I I I love it. It's it's great. Um. Right, we'll move on to the final segment before we very quickly review the next week. Uh, Tom's take. So this week, uh, so Tom's take is a take that I give to Brandon. Brandon has no uh, clue what the take is until I tell him what it is in a minute. And then he'll tell me whether he agrees or disagrees. Uh, There's not really much on my take to say about it. It's kind of obvious, and I'm sure Brandon will talk about it when I say it. But Tom's take this week... It evolves around Hammy Diallo. Hammy Diallo could be a six-man on any NBA team. Discuss. I was surprised that we didn't get to mention him in this podcast, so this is very uh, refreshing that he's brought up to the end because if you look at one thing that's consistent with the team, no matter what we do or how we're playing, Diallo... Somehow he doesn't even get that many minutes. I'll look at the stat sheet and it'll say 16 or 18 minutes and he'll have 14 or 16 points. And I'm just like, how does he do that? But it's the consistent, um, the athleticism and his ability to drive to the paint. I can't express enough how good this guy is at getting into the paint, drawing contact. And even if the ref doesn't blow the whistle, I, I would bet, no, nah, I'm not going to say that, but I would I would want to bet like maybe a good sum of money on this guy finishing the finishing the play. He just somehow gets the ball into the basket and it doesn't even look like like at first you're like, oh, he's a little out of control, looks kind of sketchy. But then he finishes last year. He was a very out of control ball handler, um, but it just seems like he he really could. I would I would be so surprised if he wasn't on the Thunder roster, but at the same time, could you imagine him on, like, just throw out a contender? He'd be such an impactful sixth man for anybody. So I totally agree with that point. Yeah, completely agree. My points were along the same. I was having to think about it earlier when I was trying to think of a take, but Hammy's driving to the net. He has, he finishes the unfinishable as well. Like, he, the way he finishes the ball on some of them, I don't know whether... He just gets himself in really hard looks or he just makes it harder for himself the way he gets to the basket. But 
it's it's crazy. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Like he, he is there to play basketball. I reckon he's the type of guy who walks into the arena laughing and smiling, walks onto the court, he would run for a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how it works in the States in terms of league pass or whatnot for you, but during like the game breaks and stuff this past week, the Thunder have been showing um, some of the players talking about some of the other players. And all the players as well were very high on praise with Hammy um, about his ability and about the guy he is. Um, but as, as a sixth man, he could easily play 20, 25 minutes. I think if we wanted to give him that, I don't know why. I don't know why they don't. But no, it is confusing. Like, Hammy and Kenrich, give give them both minutes. Kenrich Williams, shout out to him. He's been phenomenal the last week. He hasn't even we haven't even spoke about him. He had a great um, game last night. Great game. Outstanding. Um, but yeah, it, it was a relatively simple Tom's take this week. I do think he's starting to become a bit undervalued, a bit underrated. But I think that's purely based on our fan base judging him on the last three years. I think this, this is third year with the franchise, I think. Right, so, because they were, they were talking about, you know, possibly, you know, getting rid of him. Exactly, and I think he's now put a claim down himself to. There, there wasn't really that identity of this is the funders' sixth man, mm. but I think if Hammy carries on the way he is, he can get it. Uh, moving on, last last uh, thing to talk about. We will uh, talk about it very quickly because can't really go into much depth about it anyway. But the next week, in the, the next seven days, we have four games again. Both mini series, just like we had against the Rockets. We got the T Wolves at home, uh, two games in a row, and then we go to the Lakers away, two games in a row. Uh, we haven't played the T Wolves yet. T Wolves are bottom of the West, so mm. don't know when Cat's back, but he can't be far away from being back. Uh, but the T Wolves, uh, they're just looking a bit messy at the minute. Not really. Anthony, Ed, Anthony Edwards, I. I was never – I I don't know. I've heard rumors that he's just not that into basketball, and so I'm like, you're drafting this guy first overall, and he's not that into basketball. It doesn't – the Wolves are just like, God bless them, you know? Bless their hearts. That is such a – like, we're supposed to be bad, and we're not even that bad. Yeah. So, I got a good mate who's a T Wolves fan, so my heart bleeds for him. Mm. But it, it worries me playing them back to back because obviously I'm starting I'm starting to get a bit worried about our draft pick. I know we got pick swaps, but I don't expect Houston or the Heat to be close to us in terms of a record. So I think I think we could do with losing a few a couple of games, which is a bit not necessarily the best thing to say. I know we'll probably lose the two games at the Lakers, which follow the two Wolves. Ugh. But I, I think two wins against the two Wolves puts us eleven and eleven. I think in terms mm. of record, which that's not going to give us number one pick now, is it? I, I don't know what. Unless we're going to, you know, we'll talk about that later. But that, I really don't know if we're going to be able to get that first pick. No, it's certainly looking unlikely at the minute. Um, so, yeah, 
two two games against T Wolves, two games against the Lakers. I'll go one and three with a bit of optimism. What are you going? Let's go two and four. Sorry, going- two and two. Two and two. I just added some games. My math is bad. But no, I think I think we uh, sweep the Wolves for sure. Fair enough. I think if you're doing maths like that, you need to get back in your classes, I think. Yeah, writing, like for writers, we, you know, they, they don't really make us do the math stuff. So I'm just going to, I'm going to have somebody else do my math for me. I'll use my iPhone. <laughs> On that note, we shall leave that there. Uh, thank you again for joining me, Brandon. As always, I'm sure I'll have you back again next week. Uh, I didn't do this last week. If anybody wants to check you out, where can they find you? So check me out on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. I have a huge Twitter problem, Mr. October. So you spell that just like, well, it's not like it sounds, but Mr. O-K-C-T-O-B-E-R. And I will gladly answer any questions, banter. You can keep me up. I have nothing, nothing but love for Twitter. Love Twitter. But yeah, uh, he's not joking either, guys. He does have a Twitter problem. He won't leave me alone. But... <laughs> No, thank you very much for joining me, Brandon. It's been a pleasure. Another great podcast. Always good to talk some hoops, especially with another Thunder fan. And we'll see you next week, guys. Thunder up. Thunder up.